this is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the marketing one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. We've seen lots of comments over recent years about how important it is to market learning properly. And this topic, marketing, has been requested a few times. I think it's because people are trying to understand the skills in learning that can be transplanted into marketing. And similarly, how to take marketing skills to hook people into wanting to learn more. This was going to need two expert guests, so we went out and got them. Our first guest is Manya Horner. Based in Ontario, in Canada, Manya is an ex-corporate learning and experience designer. And as well as having a degree in marketing, Manya has her own L&D company, Boost LD, that supports learning leaders in designing learning, automated learning curriculum, making content understandable, and teaching and presenting. Our second guest is Natalie Ann Holborough. Natalie is a polymath. She's a, a writer, an editor, and also a content marketeer of learning and development for CDSM Thinking. Natalie is a published poet with two of her own volumes out and also a co-authored compilation of poetry coming very soon. This episode was recorded in December 2020. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Manya and Natalie talking about marketing. Hi, I'm Manya Horner. I'm the founder of Boost, which is my consulting company. And I'm just really excited to be talking here about the parallels that I've seen in my work between marketing and learning and what that means for us and for my clients that I help. And so I do have a marketing degree, Natalie, um, and also a learning degree, an education degree. And I've spent a lot of time in corporate and freelance and also just with my own company. So each of these experiences have had their own intersection of how I've brought marketing into the learning development process. So it's really interesting to be talking to you today. I know you're a marketer, so tell me more about you. Okay, um, and it's interesting for me to be talking to you from a learning perspective as well. Um, so I'm Natalie Ann Holbro. I work in the marketing department for modern learning platform Thinky. Um, and it's an interesting time to be working in a role that encompasses both the learning and development industry as well as marketing. Um, certainly in the past year or so, I've noticed increasing interest um, in how to leverage marketing skills to raise visibility of L&D. Um, I don't know whether you attended uh, World of Learning or Learning Technologies. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, every time that um, you go to these events now, there's usually a session on marketing and L&D, and it's usually full capacity um, for these ones as well. And it, people hang on to this, um, this sort of conversation, and they want more tactics on how to do it. Um, do you find this when you're working in your learning development role that people are coming to you specifically asking for marketing tips with your background? You know, not 
Not so much yet. They're starting to, but I think it's because I am bringing that much more to the table as a value add, as something that d- makes me a little bit different than your standard learning and development person. I do remember 10 years ago, I worked for a big bank and I was in a corporate learning design role. I was, you know, an in senior instructional designer there. And I remember asking my boss at the time after we'd created this huge, beautiful development program. And I said to him, like, how are we going to market this internally? How do we get all of these learners really excited about this program? And how do we communicate with them along the way and let them know where they're at? And at the time, you know, over 10 years ago, they just said, oh, well, we don't do that. Everybody just has to take it. So there was no real effort made to borrow from those marketing principles of personalization or making the content more user centric or um, selling it, you know, without (laughs) selling, you know, selling is kind of a, maybe a bad word to use, but that wasn't really happening. So now though, I'm starting to see that people are more aware of marketing and digital marketing because we're inundated with it so much that everybody knows you have to stand out and marketing strategies are the way to do that for your learning program. So that's a great question. It's interesting that you said that as well, um, because you're trying to market to potential learners um, to come and do your learning and think about why they should want to and to pull them towards that rather than force them into it, because we don't want to uh, spoon feed learning. We're all moving away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also about getting your stakeholders on board as well, because that's something that keeps coming up. But like, How do you get stakeholders on board? And you've got all these different, almost like marketing segments um, to reach out to. So how do you convince your stakeholders? How do you convince your learners? Um, what about people um, outside of the business? Um, so LD has got to keep got to keep fighting for its place all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found this as well with having to market differently to different people, different groups? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think the way that this is becoming more appealing for the stakeholders and decision makers is because everybody knows that data is driving decisions right now, or it should be. And that's the thing that digital marketing has been doing for, you know, 20 years already, which we're sort of just starting to catch up to in learning development. We have some learning management systems and some HR systems that have data that we can pull from, but it's, it hasn't been the key focus for creating content that's really useful for our, our learners. And that's where I'm excited to see things changing. Because when I'm speaking with my stakeholders now is I say, let's look at where the data is. What kind of things are people Googling? What are they searching for that's not in your LMS that they're going out elsewhere on, on the internet for? And let's start creating content that can support them based on what they're looking for. You know, that's just one example of using data to create more uh, personalized content that is definitely based on what the users internally are looking for. So it's easier to get stakeholders bought in when they can see that there is data behind the decision-making. And that's where Mm -hmm. L&D can really strongly push their position forward and make themselves more useful not just as like a little siloed learning department, but a contributor overall to the business goals of the company. Mm, definitely. There's a big, um, there's a big amount of attention at the moment on data. And I find that both with marketing and with L and D and there's those connections between them that overlap all the time. So if you stop and think about it, 
um, marketing has that similar set of challenges that L&D have. You've got to connect with your target audience in marketing and in L&D case, that's your learners. You've got to provide a hook um, to hold their interest and um, keep them engaged with the learning. And then you've got to influence their behavior. So in marketing, you want them to get to buy your product or service and with learning that's enrolling on your course. So you've got mm-hmm. to keep thinking about um, how and when you meet them at that point and how to communicate them, uh, communicate with them at each point. Um, so how do you normally engage with people? Say when you're trying to um, make them aware of your opportunities, do you have like marketing camp- like email campaigns to do that? Um, how do people come- become aware in your organization of, of the opportunities that are available? Um, that, that's a great question. And it varies. I think a lot of it for internal purposes is using the intranet. So I think using wherever that portal is that employees log into and first access, making Mm -hmm. that an opportunity, a great space to generate awareness for upcoming courses or content or articles. Um, Certainly email helps, you know, that everybody accesses their work email and you can let them know about products and courses that are happening internally. So that's a couple of ways. Um, but, you know, in terms of communication, I'm, I'm seeing, and I'm going to kind of change the conversation here a little bit, but I'm seeing the way that companies are not only just having to create learning for their internal staff, but there's a ton of marketing and learning that's being mashed up for their clients. So I've been doing some work with clients who have a product that requires a fair bit of customer education. And the customers also need to be encouraged to perhaps use a product more frequently so that they can keep buying it. (laughs) So there's a real connection between marketing and using um, education as a way to continue to sell or to um, encourage people to use the product more effectively. So this is a really interesting way that I've had to use marketing strategies and learning to be able to create um, education-based advertising or marketing. So this is another really interesting area that um, I'm seeing both of these industries and both of these topics overlap. And it's happening a lot more and more. Um, Are you seeing anything like this with, with what you're doing with your company? Like, are you including learning into your marketing content? Um, I was wondering actually if that, by that you mean, um, is it like where we've got these, uh, academies to learn how to, to use a product or something like that? Like I think Adobe do it, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, is that the sort of thing where you, um, teach people about the product, then get them to try it out and, um, you'll be, you'll be familiar with the Google analytics course that you can do where you get the certificate at the end. Is it like mm-hmm. that? We've got a full course and you're going through videos and learning until you're completely proficient in, in the product. Yeah. I think that's a okay. really great example. You know, Salesforce software has it. They've even got badges and these micro credentials, and this is all to just help product users use the product more effectively. And there's a ton of learning that is incorporated into that. So I think that's a really neat area of um, marketing where learning is having a huge impact. Mm -hmm. Another thing, Natalie, is um, in actual communication for customers. So let's just say um, you're trying to 
teach your customers how to do something or how to use the product and encourage them to use the product more so they have to keep buying. So if you are creating um, email sequences that are more personalized and really well segmented, that every time it drops in that customer's inbox, it also teaches them how to use something or it teaches them or it changes their behavior or increases a skill set in some way. These are all learning things. Yeah. That is a great way to speak to the audience and kind of teach them how to use your product so that they're like, oh, I didn't know you could do use it for that. Or, oh, I didn't know I could do that with it. And I'm actually, I've been hired to do that a lot lately. So it's, it's funny. I'm like, okay, wh- what am I, a, a marketing person here or a learning person? It's a huge crossover. Yeah, definitely. And it, it links in with that idea of demonstrating relevance, doesn't it? Like how, why would I want to buy this product and why should I learn this skill? And it starts with that question, what's in it for me? And that's what they're thinking when they're, they're opening those emails. And that's what you're thinking when you're writing and targeting them. So when they're that busy and their emails are filling up, you're going to have to catch them there and um, outline how th- that tra- particular set of training will make the employees' jobs easier, um, how that skill is relevant to their specific role and how it's relevant to them personally so that they've got that reason to get on board with it. So I can totally see how that works. Um, I think it's interesting, Natalie, you were using a key word there. You were using the word relevant uh, a mm-hmm. lot in in that segment that you were just talking about. And that's a really important adult learning principle. If adults don't feel like what they're learning is relevant to them, they're going to just shove it aside and they're not going to hold on to that information or retain it. And marketing is the same. If something pops into my inbox or there's an ad on my screen and I don't feel like it's relevant, I'm just going to discount it. It doesn't, it, I literally won't even absorb that information. So there's so many parallels here. Um, as we've been talking between marketing and learning that we can use across both industries. Yeah, and I think it's becoming more hyper-personalized, isn't it? Between like marketing, people expect um, companies to to, um, do their part and help them in their lives and keep them informed. And um, they know their interaction history, they know their preferences, so the brands can kind of target customers according to where they are. And you're noticing learning platforms are doing this more and more. So they've got things like XAPI built into them, which just gives mm-hmm. that little bit more visibility. So you can see like marketing software, um, marketing software might tell you which pages they visited, um, how long they're on that page for, whether they downloaded anything and whether they're returning. And mm-hmm. in the same way, you've got um, learning technologies that might tell you um, what times people are engaging with things, what are the highest rated, um, even breaking down to which questions people are most stuck on, where they lose interest, where they might abandon an assessment. And th- the two of them, they just inform um, inform you on where people are interested and where they need a little bit more help. So do you use um, any sort of technology at all with learning or is it... Um, mainly marketing technologies that you've been using. Yeah, that's, you just hit the nail on the head there that 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 is all about getting information from your system to be able to create better content for people and to see if they're finishing or if they're retaining. And, you know, in the past, I think there's been a lot of, well, the approach has been once we create this product, we, we make this course, that's it. You get it. You're mm-hmm. done. You're, you know, you've learned you're fixed now. Um, 
but what's changing a lot is this idea of content LMS. So curating smaller bits of content that's available in bite-sized pieces that's available for people when they need it, where they need it. So what I'm seeing in really smart learning systems and, and ed tech is that it gives the opportunities for people to be able to search for what they need. So mm -hmm. very, very important now when, when people are choosing a learning management system is that it's very searchable and that you can put content in that's small, bite-sized, applicable on the job, that's real stuff. You know, it doesn't always have to be this big fancy program. Sometimes people just need to know how do we do this thing around here? And some new systems are providing that kind of analytics where it'll give you the search queries that people are making. So you can see if you have the content that is right for them. And that's exciting to see. It's so yeah. cool when these sort of new learning content systems or LMX or LXP are starting to be developed. And it makes it so much easier, doesn't it, when you're using that sort of data, um, not only to show um, learners where um, where they need to improve or um, where they're doing particularly well, but also you've got the results there to show stakeholders as well where things are improving. And mm -hmm. when you're looking in marketing analytics, I know I can spend hours just going down the rabbit hole, just looking at the, the journeys people are taking on the website and mm -hmm. why, why are they abandoning that form there? What, how could we change it and get them to download this this report for example um, and you mentioned as well how um, searching for something and finding um, something relevant is really important mm -hmm. and one thing that technology is doing more and more is having ratings and reviews and having that social element as well where people can recommend resources and other people's um, influences how much do you um, use uh, success stories or um, champion your sort of ambassadors for learning in your organization, perhaps someone who's completed the course and can tell others to go and to go and recommend, go and do the same one and recommend it. What a great question. Um, so I'm going to talk about a recent client that I built a, a new platform for. They have 10,000 members in their community and they sell a specific product and it's in wellness. So it requires a lot of customer education for this particular product. So customers can feel like they're confidently using the product, et cetera. And it's a huge amount of learning. It takes years to really absorb and learn what they're, what they're teaching. So we created an entire section on their platform just for testimonials. And it's extremely important. And we did a lot of um, surveys uh, with their membership to find out how important the testimonials are, are and what they're learning from them. So testimonials in that case were really important for the all of the customers slash learners to feel confident using products. And we include those testimonials a lot in the in the email communication that goes out. And we always are driving people back to the site, back to the learning so that they can just continue to see what's there and dig deeper because there's so much content. They could easily become overwhelmed and, and abandon this beautiful site that's super rich in content. So we do kind of continue to market uh, the content on that site and the learning that's available there by giving them bits of information, leading them back to it in our communication. And 
certainly um, testimonials of course completion is one of the most critical ways of selling courses because people want to see that other people have gone before them and have had success. So that really comes into play when, you know, I'm starting to think about marketing myself and my own products, which is, mm-hmm. a, you know, the second aspect of my business. And it, it is always harder to market yourself, isn't it? Than to market other people. Um, what, what do you find in that, in that area? Do you find it easy to market yourself? I know you, you have some of your own content that you make available to people, correct? That's right. So I've um, worked in marketing perhaps longer than I think I have because I've been doing writing and promoting that. Um, but they're so different that I almost see them as separate. So when you've got that um, brand or an organization that you can hide behind, it's, it's less, less personal and less terrifying to promote something because you feel like you're supported by by your workplace. And I'm very lucky that I'm in a company that really prides itself on the amount of women we have working in learning technologies. We've got um, UX designers and, and mm. uh, customer success specialists, developers and managers. Um, however, I feel totally on my own when I'm promoting um, my personal work um, and my creative writing and my books. And that's where it's much more difficult to make your voice heard as a woman. Um, while people are largely positive and supportive, I've had to build up a lot of resilience in instances where um, it's often older white men who um, will belittle me or try to silence me. Um, and it can hurt, especially when you've had a stream of messages telling yourself you're not good enough, that you shouldn't be writing, or you're only published because... Um, for example, you're wearing a pretty dress during your reading, and that's the only reason um, you were asked to speak that night when you've worked that hard. And we don't really bat an eyelid when a man is promoting his work. Wow. Um, for one, I'm sorry that you've had this experience because that's absolutely awful. Um, yeah, that's that's horrible. And so how have you, you know, started to overcome those feelings? Because again, you mentioned a lot of it is resilience and our own mindset in are we, um, you know, professional or expert enough to be at this table? Um, so mm-hmm. what have you been doing to kind of overcome that or to just reposition the way that you're thinking about marketing and selling what you're offering? Because I have some thoughts on that, and I've been having a lot of conversations on that lately, but I'm curious to hear, you know, how you're overcoming it. I'd be really interested to hear your view on it as well. Um, I'm finding that it's things like this where we've got spaces for women um, to be heard and to talk together like this and to support each other. And having support from men as well, that really helps. Um, And you're constantly wary of this potential backlash and people trying to silence you when there's no sort of brand to hide behind, but it's recognizing that we do have a a right to have our voices heard and it's our space to take up as well. We have no less right to it. Um, And how are you finding it in the work that you do? So I think a lot of the mindset issues, and we're gonna get deep here, and I'm sure this is gonna relate for a lot of women, but a lot of our mindset issues come from our past and mine come from my mom. You know, my mom, stay-at-home mom, five kids. It wasn't a thing to be out there trying to be a career woman, not for her. Um, So a lot of my initial instincts were, I loved my work, 
I love to, you know, be this businesswoman and to create products that I know people need and, and are going to make a difference for them. But then there's always this voice internally saying, yes, but you've got your three kids. You should be a mom first. What are you thinking? So a lot of my personal hurdles actually have been more internal than external. Fortunately, I've had incredible male mentors and incredible female mentors. And I've, and I've had a lot of really great support. So I have to say my experiences are a little bit different from external. I've just had to really overcome the internal, <laughs> you know, the, the gross feeling of selling my stuff or the, or the inner voice that says, you know, you should just be focusing on being a mother and like, you know, what are you doing trying to find balance as a businesswoman and a mother? And that's where it's really tricky because sales can feel kind of, like a dirty word. <laughs> the last time I sold was when I was, you know, upselling cocktails as a, as a waitress in my early twenties. So I haven't really felt like I've been able to sell myself as well over the last few years. Although I've had a little breakthrough of that, Natalie, and I wanted to bring it up. Okay. Um, I've started to, instead of thinking about my own ideas and how can I cultivate my ideas as new products and sell them to people, I've really switched my mindset to what kind of problems am I hearing people having? Because I have so much that I can offer and give as solutions. Yeah. I just needed to stop thinking about how can I take my ideas and sell them and think a lot more about what problems do people have that I can solve. And then it doesn't feel like a bad thing. It actually just makes me feel like I'm a service provider or I am able to really help people solve a problem. And that just that tweak in my mind has actually helped me a lot. And I was speaking with a couple other people this week and that was a huge mm -hmm. shift for all of us on the call because all of a sudden our purpose-driven selves feel like we are contributing to our ideal audience much more than trying to get money out of them. I'm really glad you said that because it's something shifted with me as well. I think what a great way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been huge for me. And now, like, even as I'm preparing new products coming into 2021, you know, digital courses and service offerings, mm -hmm. I'm feeling less shy about putting something out there and hoping people will buy it. And I'm thinking a lot more of, okay, let's really get deep into what are the problems that my clients or my ideal customers have and, and how can I make something really great and a great experience for them that they're happy to buy if I can help solve their problem. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really lot, important, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what you're, you're mentioning helping in people and that's what learning is, isn't it? It's empowering people to do, to do their jobs better and to get ahead and to develop themselves. So, you know, it's, you don't think about this as taking their money. You're helping them to um, achieve their ambitions or achieve personal goals. And that's a huge thing. And I, I yeah. want to go forward and try and think about it that way as well. For sure. And offering like some real solutions for people who have had to change the way they do business. You know, a lot of people, um, they, they have to now think about generating money for themselves in a different way. And that for a lot of people means upskilling. So if you're mm -hmm. creating some sort of learning or training that can help them generate income going forward, it is a huge value. Um, yeah. So it's, this has been a really interesting conversation. And, you know, I'm curious, as we talk about this upskilling for the future, 
you know, what are some other ways that me, as I'm trying to solve problems for my audience, how can I kind of help open their understanding or awareness to incorporating marketing and learning? What are your thoughts on this? Like, are there some really great resources that you've been learning about this or, or where, where might you direct somebody if they were kind of curious about how to incorporate some more of these marketing strategies into their learning design? Um, I've been writing quite a bit about this and reading reports and um, attending talks and put together some some blog posts on this as well. And there were there were five that stuck with me. And I think this was from an accumulation of going to a few different talks um, and reading some reports. And mm-hmm. they were really easy to implement tactics as well. And there's, there's five that stay. And first is just getting to know your people. Um, mm-hmm treating it like a marketing campaign you wouldn't do a marketing campaign without understanding your target audience and it's the same with your learning opportunities um you might carry out research in marketing by conducting surveys and questionnaires or interviewing individuals um or looking at market share and competitive performance and with lnd your audience is more internals you can get to know your learners and with really simple methods you could think about Mm -hmm. um how to categorize your segments. You could think about department. Um, you could collect key information about this through surveys and interviews, and then find out what their pain points are, um, find out what motivates them and ask them about their goals. So once you know this information, um, you can make sure then that your learning opportunities are relevant to that group that you're targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked as well about demonstrating relevance. Um, that's another one that stayed with me. Um, Another big one, I think, is personalizing your communications. Mm -hmm. So where we talked about email marketing, which is still really powerful, I think you had a brilliant example there of how you'd not only demonstrated relevance in your your email, but you've helped them to um, take a bite-sized approach to learning it as well. It needs to be manageable. Um, social proof, like champion pe- champion, championing people who've done really well with the learning and using the testimonials and not being shy as well to sell, use that word, um, your success stories as well. If you rolled out a great learning program, um, shout about it because people want to hear about that. When we buy a new product, we want to go and we want to re- read reviews. We want to see what's really worked. And that's what encourages us um, to sign up for something. Um, what are your your thoughts on this? What, what do you find really effective? Yeah, I think you touched on a few great pieces. And if I was to give myself advice when I was first starting out, it would be to go with my instinct. Because 10 years ago, when I was saying, how are we going to encourage people to participate in these programs? Rather than just, you know, poo-pooing it or letting others poo-poo it, I should have said, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we understand our user, we get them excited about this, etc. All of the things that you were talking about and telling stories makes it really great for people to get on board and to accept something and to learn from it. So I probably would go back and say, don't, don't ignore your instincts, because they were really strong. And mm-hmm. I should have actually, or I could have looked a lot more at what those parallels were already in marketing and incorporated them into my learning. Now it's becoming a lot more readily accepted. So I'd say there's some great people who are doing this and start to follow a couple of different 
um, companies that are already doing this, you know, mass marketing comes to mind. They're awesome. Um, uh, you know, there's some really great technologies available now. Loop is a great learning management system and they are, they are totally doing this where they're taking this marketing driven approach to learning and development. So there's a lot of companies coming up where you can start to follow their blogs and follow their podcasts and just see what is this all about and give yourself the permission to use your instinct and, and allow your, your marketing instinct to, and what you know about marketing, because we're all inundated with it constantly. So we, we know a lot about it and we just need to use that instinct and, and bring it into our learning to make it more personal, more user-driven, more data-driven and more relevant for, for our learners mm -hmm. actual needs. Yeah. Yeah. And well, this mm -hmm. is something you can just keep writing about it because even though um, with Thinky, we've done expert guides, we've done blogs, and we've done so much on marketing learning. Yeah. There's still so much more we could write about it and so much more we could we could dive into it and everything has to be quite short. And I'm really excited to see um, where this this goes in 2021 and um, what other tactics and um, how many other companies and learning professionals start doing it and the successes that they have um, and it'll be interesting to hear, hear more about um, the successes that you're having with it as well because I love the personal story you, you shared earlier yeah and I think to to your point this parallel is such a deep um, topic where we could continue exploring it and I think we're just starting to scratch the surface so I appreciate your perspectives today and um, it's just been really interesting to get to know what you're doing and how you're marketing your personal writing and I think you should keep keep going with that and hopefully you can switch your mindset around to you're you're really helping people in and creating a solution to a problem they have it, it selling doesn't have to feel gross mm -hmm. I, I love that I'm really glad to talk to you now because I, I just <laughs> want to tell other people who feel like that and I, yeah. I know that it'll it'll help them as well and uh, you know a lot of women they we feel like um, serving is impactful or gives us purpose to our life in whatever way that is. So if we feel like we are serving our audience in a, in a great way, mm -hmm. it feels more worthwhile doing great. Well, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> I appreciate great, being on the you. audience. Thanks, Andrew, for having us on here. And again, for hosting women um, to talk about these things. It's, it's just incredible to have this platform. It is. It's, it's amazing. I, I can't wait to hear, hear the rest of the podcast as well. So thank you, Manja. And thank you, Andrew. Cheers. Have a good day. You too. The joy of women talking about learning is all I do is produce the titles, which have been crowdsourced anyway. And I hope to have a, an idea about what I think the podcast is going to be like. Manu and Natalie's conversation wasn't anything like I thought it would be. Um, it was just such a revealing and insightful chat to be part of. I learned that we shouldn't disregard praise. And since I'm not allowed to edit any of the recordings, unless my guests ask, I've had to leave that little bit of praise at the end in the podcast. I could have taken it out, but I'm then not being truthful to my guests. Manu and Natalie are both on LinkedIn and across the web and you find all their contact details and links in the show notes. Our most sincere thanks to them both for their contributions to yet another excellent episode. 
We hit a little milestone last week when we hit 1,500 downloads of the podcast. When the podcast was first thought of, we had a target. Could we do six episodes and could we get 500 listens in total? So you have both astonished and humbled us with your support and your loyalty. So many people keep coming back to listen for more. And that is in no small part down to the fabulous guests that we have on the podcast. The benefit of doing the podcast the way we do is that people on opposite sides of the world can join together and record. For this episode, Manu was in Canada and Natalie was in South Wales when the episode was captured. If you want to join in the fun, just let us know. All the contact details are in the show notes or you can go to our website. Take care and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music and Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or your favourite podcast app. You can get in touch with Women Talking About Learning via email on Twitter at WTAL underscore podcast or via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning. For more of The Signal, none of the noise.